With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Fueled by the Outdoors podcast, presented by Blackgate Hunting Products. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe, tell us what you think in the comment section, and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Drop the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Nick on here too? No. I didn't even tell him I was doing this. So I I was just sitting there thinking, well, when you messaged me, I was like, well, yeah, we should knock that out because we've been talking about it for like almost two months or something. And uh, Rick, um, Rick does not do well with late nights. So I asked him tonight what he was doing. And he's like, it's been a long day. I'm going to bed. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) he'll, I'm just going to put this in the drive and not even say anything for a couple of days and just see if he notices it. And then (laughs) I'll wait for that wonderful little message. Um, So we'll go ahead and start it up in three, two, one. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. Rick Cates is sleeping right now. And tonight we're joined by the star of DO3 Outdoors, Jacob Emery. How's it going, bro? It's going good, buddy. I don't know about no star. I guess I am the star if I'm the only one there, right? Boom. I ain't lying. So (laughs) you've had quite the season and you know, it's, it's crazy because I remember talking with you last year and last year for the both of us was such a struggle. And, uh, I remember watching some of your stuff and, um, you know, one thing that sticks out to me is the buck, um, at the place I won't mention that like walked right in and then like looked up at you or whatever. Um, I don't know how to describe this without giving away, but it's the place you told me to not tell anybody about that. You were going to try. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The place you were going to try to hunt later this year. So, um, you know, I, I remember, uh, going through the struggle and then seeing you kind of have the same issues. I'm like, man, really felt for you. And then this year I'm like, when I grow up, I want to be like Jacob Emery killing these, (laughs) killing these big deer. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you killed two just slaunch bucks this year. Tell us about those a little bit. Start with your Indiana deer. All right. So, um, anybody that doesn't know me, uh, I live in Indiana currently. Um, I'm from Kentucky. I've lived there my entire life. So pretty well, my main two buck tags every single year is, uh, here in Kentucky or here in Indiana and, and back home. Um, but I hadn't really ever killed a really 
respectable deer in Indiana. I've killed a couple bucks over there. Just nothing like that's going to go up on the wall. Um, but the, the buck in Indiana was really neat to me because I killed him in an area that I literally bought my kayak for. Like the reason oh, I wow. bought, the reason I bought it was to hunt that area. I was infatuated with it. Matter of fact, the very first time I ever stepped foot in that place, uh, I've sunk up to my knees in mud and water getting to this area wow. without a boat. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm bound and determined, you know, to use water access to make it possible to hunt back here. Um, but ran cameras in there all last summer. Nothing that just blew your socks off. A couple, uh, a couple really good deer that showed maybe once or twice during November. And then that was pretty well lit. So I didn't really fool with cameras this year. I just, you know, was making it a point to be in there at the right time. You know, mm. um, that hunt is actually so funny to me because I hadn't hunted it all year. And I went and hunted it, I believe, November 16th. Okay. I saw 17 different deer that day, God. Uh, three, or, three or four bucks. And I picked my bow up on about 115 inch deer and I was going to kill him and I was going to be tickled to death with him because like I said, my goal was just, just put a decent buck on the front of that kayak and paddle him out. And I let that deer walk by me and I hung my bow back up and thought, man, I was like, I will probably regret that. But I was to the point where I'm so invested back here that killing one is going to be such a chore to get him out. Oh yeah. Um, At least one that you want to, you know, take to the taxidermist you know that buck i probably would have quartered him up um so i can't remember what happened the next day i think i hunted kentucky and didn't have much luck and i went to mcdonald's on the morning of the 18th and i pulled out of mcdonald's and i sat there at a red light or a green light actually i let it go from red to green it went all the way through green and back to red and i never moved i could not decide to go right or left left would be indiana right be kentucky Wow. It had rained. It had rained so hard that night that I slept in, and I knew by the time I get there, it would start getting gray light. So I moseyed on over to Indiana, got the kayak out of the truck, got everything nice and situated, reorganized my gear. I grabbed my uh, one stick, the trophy line wingman, and um, put the kayak in the water and just slowly took my time making my way back there, listening for bucks chasing. It was nice, cool, crisp. Um, like I said, it had rained a bunch, so the water was actually coming up in that creek. <clears throat> it allowed me to get further back than I normally could, but then it also made it a little treacherous, so to speak. <laughs> so so when I actually beached my kayak and took off on the little adventure, I used a ditch to access um, kind of the block of timber that I wanted to be in. And when I got out of that ditch, which I got one of my boots completely underwater and I'm soaked and wet and already pissed off. Uh, I transferred from that ditch and made sure to get right back in a slough and follow that slough all the way around to where I wanted to be. The only thing I had going for me that morning was a known creek crossing that I hung a camera over the year before and had a lot of really great bucks after season crossing it. Um, So with that in mind, I used the water to, to keep my scent off the ground because just moisture is it's your worst enemy. Sure. When it comes. So, I mean, unless you're like, you know, walking in water, whatever. Right. Um, so I worked my way all the way to the tree that I wanted to climb. 
And the only time that my boots were not underwater, at least like my feet portion, was 15 yards from the slough to the tree I picked straight out. I had the, the sun was at my back. The wind was in my face. I had walked all the way to this tree. I could not have been more scent cautious. There's nothing else that I could have done. And I told myself that morning, I was like, if a buck comes down the edge of this slough, there is no way he is smelling me, period. And I will be damned. I'll skip forward a little bit. That buck ended up smelling where I come out of that. Yeah, slew. that's right. So as I climbed up, I was probably only up in the tree about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, I had a, a buck cruise the creek in front of me on the other side, a smaller buck. And then I had a doe uh, just appear out of nowhere, almost right underneath me. And at this time, there's still quite a bit of foliage on the trees. And uh, she works her way right to the base of my tree, cruises on by. I'm actually turned around in the saddle watching her. And when I spun back around, I caught a glimpse of Tynes. And it was his real good side. And he was just in that, like, I'm an idiot buck mode in November, like just doing that frantic searching crap. Yep. So I knew he was looking for her. So the first thing everybody wants to do is grab their grunt call and start blowing it at him, which is basically what I did, um, just to get his attention. Well, I could never get his attention. He kind of trotted off the opposite direction. At this point, he's probably 100, 120 yards. And when he stopped, I grabbed my can call. I don't know if people can't see this, but I actually seen someone do this. I don't know who to give credit to, but the, the Primo's can call, I blew in the little hole instead of turning it up. And, you know, like how they turn it upside down. Yeah. So when you blow in that hole, you control the pitch and the length of it. And it sounds way more realistic in my opinion. Wow. So from 120 yards, I did that and I watched his ears perk up and I said, I'm fixing to set the stage. I put the, the bleak call down and I started tending grunting on a Haydale, just a cheap Haydale. Um, I believe that's the brand of it grunt tube. And it sounds so good. But I worked that grunt to pointed towards him and I worked it away from him. And it was, I mean, that was it. I mean, he could not take it. He'd stopped exactly what he was doing. He ran straight to the tree, he turned and then turned straight back to the tree again. And I'm at full draw with my pin between this buck's shoulders. And this year I started shooting severs. Um, I know everybody has their opinions on you know, fixed blades, single bevel, double bevel, expandables. Uh, I think our good good buddy Greg Stagg shoots hundreds of deer with hypodermics every single year and has no yep. issues. Yep. So I wanted something that was a good cutting diameter, but something that was a little bit more tough. And then when I found the severs, I just, that's what I went with. And I got up on a tangent there anyways. No, the if, part- I'm going to stop you for a second. I want to stay on that tangent. So are you telling me this is basically, this is an expandable head, right? It is 100% expandable. Is it just beefed up? It is a, yes. I believe the guy's YouTube is Lusk Archery uh, oh, Adventures. So yeah. he, that is, if I'm correct, I could be very wrong. I think that is his favorite expandable head out there. Wow. It's, it's pretty tough, dude. What's, what's the um, weight on it? Uh, I think you can get... You can get either 100s or 125s. Okay, so it's not like 150 or 200 or anything like that. Nothing crazy, like not that I'm aware of. Um, okay, 
you know, the way things are going right now, that they're liable to put out a 500 grain broadhead next year. Somebody oh my will. God, dude. Seriously. So, <laughs> okay. So that's good to know because I spoke with another buddy of mine that is another guy that I, I trust his knowledge and he's not just like throwing brands or anything. And he's, yeah. a, he's a killer. He kills a good one every year. And he shot his this year. He went from rage to sever. And that got my attention a little bit. So, all right, continue big, on. Big fan of them. If anybody's listening um, and I'm not affiliated with anybody, but like I said, the buck was facing straight towards my tree at this point, I believe he was probably three or four steps from the base of my tree. And I, I could have shot him at any point, but I knew that he was in that like psycho state of mind. He's not thinking right. You know, let this buck come around, shoot him on the swing and get a good shot. Um, I had actually shot a doe with that same exact angle he gave me earlier in the year. And it took her about 50 yards to start bleeding. Granted, once she did, it was ridiculous. Um, so as, as I'm contemplating taking this shot, he starts working his way uh, to my right. So if I'm facing the tree in my saddle, which, by the way, hilarious story, I did not have the bridge rope on my saddle that day. So I oh. took my carabiner and I clipped the two lineman loops. So it was pinching me oh. beyond. Oh my God. It was off. And I one sticked up like that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That so, sounds uh, terrible. So he disappears behind the tree to me. And at this time, he's probably, like I said, three or four steps from the base of my tree. And I can't see him when he does it, but I heard him lose his crap, like come unglued. Um, and when I peeked my head around the tree from the direction he had came, I seen that he stopped and he was looking dead away. And I knew that he had smelled my ground scent or smelled like where my stuff was just falling to the ground. I don't know what he smelled, but he smelled me. So I was able at full draw somehow without this buck seeing me to raise my bow almost 90 degrees in the air and bring it back down. And I was, I wasn't falling but I was in that state where like, I cannot stop moving. And I was able to settle my pin and follow that pin all the way through behind his shoulder. And I squeezed it off the second he caught my movement. And I mean, it, it buried, it didn't pass through. It buried in that offside bone in that shoulder. Um, and I watched him fall over 70 yards away. Oh. And it was the most incredible blood trail I've ever seen in my life. You That's know, I don't, awesome. I mean, I'd love to pass through more than anybody. But as long as they die inside, you know, what else can you ask for? You know, uh, another thing, <laughs> another thing, it was funny. I told an older guy about that. And he said, you know, kid, back in my day, we didn't even want to pass through. We wanted that sharp broadhead up inside of them jarring around while they're running and this hey, and that. Yeah. And I'm like, it makes sense to me. It does. Um, but um, I'm never going to complain about a pass through. And I'm never going to complain about one not passing through, especially when he falls over dead. Well, that's what I'm saying, man. You, I was watching. I'm in some of those heavy arrow groups just because I like conversation with everybody and um, like to keep an open mind to everything and see Absolutely. where people are coming from. And uh, they posted a video in one where a dude just absolutely smokes this big buck. You see blood on impact just fly out <laughs> everywhere. And he's, he's piped, you know, I, I think he ran like 50 yards and fell over, 
and they're complaining because it didn't get a pass through. And I'm like, dude, if I could do that on every deer, I'm, I'm signing paperwork right now. Like there's no, you would never hear a complaint out of me over that. So people are so, I don't even know the word for them. I won't, I'm just going to, they're stupid. I mean, like just, just, yeah, just let it, let it go. Yeah. They want to run the HOA. (laughs) It's annoying. They bitch about everything, man. That's right. So what was your reasoning for going to this exact spot? I kind of want, if I'm thinking correctly, I want our listeners, all eight of our listeners to be able to hear, (laughs) uh, you know, what your reasoning was. Cause I thought, you know, I've kind of done this similar thing and I thought, what a, what a highly intelligent thing to do. I like this spot and I've kind of become almost romantic with it. It's, it's got everything a deer wants, but it's also one of those spots that like, I wasn't going to be happy until I did kill one there because I was so damn determined to do it. Um, it's, it's a piece of public. Um, it's not really even known for deer hunting. Uh, it's the crazy thing about it, but the slough, the sloughy area I was telling you about, it's got these little small high rises in it, just enough for a deer to get up out of the water. Sure. So they've got the refuge. Um, there are crop fields within walking distance back there, uh, with some of the meanest people you've ever met in your life owning them. They will not let you access. They, they would, they're the kind of farmers that drive me banana sandwich. Like we hate all the deer and we want to shoot every deer in the world, but oh. we're not going to let you come shoot a couple does. Oh, I was like, awesome. okay. In that case, dude, I hope they eat every single soybean pod in your field. Right. Uh, that is, that is so dumb. Um, but enough I of agree. that. Uh, so they've got some food around. There's a bunch of water oaks. Uh, there's no like pin, like, I don't know, no, big acorn trees i feel like all the acorns that fall back there are kind of smaller um so they've got the food they've got the water they've got the security it's i mean it is a buck's paradise you know what i mean okay Uh, i feel like it stays cooler in the summer i feel like the deer uh tend to live there all year long in this general area so uh it's a it's a good and a bad thing i guess you could say you you took that deer during gun season yes yes i took that deer during their gun season um and indiana is kind of odd um not i guess it wouldn't be odd but so if you want to buy a crossbow to hunt with you have to buy their crossbow tag is 150 dollars. well if you want to hunt with a regular bow that's 150 dollars. and if you want to hunt with a gun during their gun season that's 150 dollars. or you buy their deer bundle, which was like $320 or something of that nature. And you can hunt every season and kill two does and a buck or three does. The tag that I had was the archery tag, which I could hunt in any season, but I could only kill one deer. So if you killed a doe, that was a $150 doe and you're done. Um, oh, okay. So, so Indiana That's good to was know. Like, yeah, here's the problem is now that Indiana thinks that they're somewhere close to Iowa on deer hunting. <laughs> uh, so, so now they've raised their non-resident tags. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, like $150 for the bargain, $200 is a good deal. And now they're wanting like $230 for an archery permit, which I'm still not going to complain about. I'm going to buy it. But it's like, what got so much better over oh, here? Oh, sure. Like, you, 
sure. that you guys are raising these prices like that. That's insane. Yeah. So I, so I look at it. I do look at it that way. I also look at it. Here's what I, as we get older, how old are you? 30 years old. Okay. So as we get older and older, you learn that while it sucks that you have to pay more, it's nice because it'll thin people out. It's like the yep. difference between going to the county fair and Disney World. Anybody can go to the county fair. Not everybody can go to Disney World, you know? So it's it's kind of nice, but I, I get that. That's a that's a significant increase in what a year or two. I think it's this coming season they're gonna go ahead and change it. Really? I I don't hold me to that because I'm not hundred percent positive. I know I've turkey hunted there and it was 120, 125 bucks for a single yep. turkey. Yeah, um, that's going up. That's going up to 170 now. Ah, come on, Indiana. I was Look planning on. I mean, I'm going to go I, there anyway, but um, that's kind of depressing. I give them. I give them a hard time. Ah, okay. So I feel like in your video, was this the spot that you kind of maybe left alone and let the, the gun pressure yes. push? The, okay. That's, that's kind of where I was headed. I almost didn't even hunt Indiana. I only hunted Indiana two times before that their season opened October 1st, two or three, something like that. And those two or three times I was almost going somewhere so ridiculous that I, I was either going to kill something like, like, wow, like I can't believe I killed this here or I wasn't going to see crap. Um, and that was really just me subconsciously like buying time to let that place get better and better. Oh, sure. Oh man. And, and the, that entire morning, like rowing in, I was just hearing, you know, just every direction. I'm just like, just keep shooting boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. If you're anything like us, you love running trail cameras. Recently, we started using the new R4G and R4K by Blackgate Hunting Products, and I've got to tell you guys, they are sweet. The R4G is the new cellular camera loaded with features such as the ability to send pictures and videos straight to your mobile device, free HD downloads for both pics and videos, near real-time in-app setting updates, and no-glow IR technology. The R4K is a scouting camera that boasts side motion sensors that help you capture crystal clear 32 megapixel photos and 4K videos in center frame. With a maximum SD capacity of 512 gigabytes, that's right, 512 gigabytes, you'll have plenty of room to hold all those 4K videos and high resolution pictures. Blackgate supports this podcast, so we are asking you to support them. When you go to buy cameras, use the promo code FUELED to receive 10% off your order. That's FUELED, F-U-E-L-E-D, at blackgatehunting.com. So, man, you said that deer went 145? Yeah, he was like 144 and some change and something like that. Okay. I think we discussed this before starting recording but had his g2 matched on his right side and he had not broken off his brow time he probably would have been really close to my right at my personal best really mid to high 50s 
Yeah, that's the. I know everybody can't see it, but the velvet deer behind me uh, oh, is okay. not that deer. He's like right at one fifty six. Is that what state did you kill? If you don't mind, what state you killed that? Kentucky. Kentucky. Two thousand eleven. Uh, I mean, I knew I still knew what I was doing at that at that point a little bit, but like I wasn't serious about it. Like I killed that deer in Nike tennis shoes. Wow. Black black gym shorts, a long sleeve Mossy Oak Obsession shirt, and a hat. And he, I had no idea he existed. I didn't own a trail camera. And he walked by me at 20 yards and I gut shot him. Wow. Was this on public? No, this was, this was a little private piece. This was a three acre private piece that I had <laughs> permission to hunt. And uh, yeah, I, I was within five or six yards of that deer six different times, two of which were the night that I shot him. And I did not find that deer for three days. And I did not find him till I was on my way to work and the buzzards were circling. He had uh. ran, he ran in a cut piece of timber and it was one of them where like they come in and logged it. They grabbed the logs and just left. They left crap laying everywhere. Like tree tops right. and all that. Oh yeah. It was awful. Like there was no, no way you could find that deer without either vultures or a dog and dogs weren't even yep. a thing that I knew about back then. You know yep. what I mean? Mm-hmm so wow man well congrats on number one (laughs) thanks yeah my second antlered uh buck with a bow (laughs) (laughs) jeez so tell us a little bit about your your next buck of this season that you took so this buck was on some kentucky public um this is a deer that i had some history with last year i've you know looking at the deer this year just his face, uh, just his body. It's like, there's no way this deer is not five and a half years old. He's just, he's the biggest body deer I'd ever seen, yet alone killed. Um, but last year, looking at him, he looks like a three-year-old in videos and pictures. Uh, he's a pretty funny deer. We, I call him the big nine, is what I called him. Um, there was one back there that was almost his twin, except he didn't have the brows and the, and the little kicker G4. But... Um, like I said, followed him quite a bit last year. I never seen him or had a chance at him. My buddy, uh, Tim, he, he had multiple chances at the deer last year and just let him walk. Um, is he the one from the video? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Tim, that's my buddy. Um, so that deer showed back up on that piece of public, which by the way, I, I put all my cards in or put all my eggs in one basket um, early season I didn't put a camera on that piece that I killed him on until October 1st and um, I almost found him instantly uh, he was my most frequent shower um, how often is he showing it, there was never a time from October 1st until mid-November that I went over three days without seeing him oh that's now, pretty good now granted I ran 15 cell cameras on this piece of public so, whoa wait 15 cellular cameras 15. ran by yeah. you, not like you and your buddies by no, you. Those are not, not oh me. my God. <laughs> Surveillance, bud. Uh, you aren't kidding. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've just about got the place figured out to where I know where the big deer like to hang or at least use. Um, so it, I normally don't have a problem finding them. It's just killing them. Sure. <laughs> is the tough part. Sure. And uh, no, he was my most frequent visitor um, in 
two or three areas I probably should have killed him had I known what he was doing. This deer was actually using a very steep drop off. He was betting on the top of it and watching me walk in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slick. Yeah. And I love it, man. I love getting my butt kicked by these deer to an extent because in the end, it just blows your mind what they were doing when you finally figure out what they, how they've been fooling you this whole time. You are not kidding. Uh, it, a lot of times it cracks me up. I hear somebody, oh, look who showed up when I wasn't there. You know why he's there is because you're not. Bam. I told somebody that yesterday, like, oh, I had him in daylight on my trail camera and I had to go to work. And I'm like, well, yeah, like if you were there, he probably would have ran out of there because he's watching your access, would have circled downwind or, you know, whatever. So I get yep. that. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, this particular buck, uh, another friend of mine watched him destroy a cedar tree, man. And we weren't, but like 400 yards apart. And, uh, it was a pretty cool encounter that he had with him. He had him at 45 yards and couldn't get a shot. I'm glad he didn't. Um, <laughs> But I kind of lost him and all the other deer uh, towards the end of November. I'm starting to get in that panic mode, and that's when I killed the Indiana deer. And I was like, "All right, the if nothing else, I've had a good year, and I'm happy mm -hmm. with this buck." But at that point, I knew that the late muzzleloader was probably going to be my best chance. So I only bow hunted the rest of the year when conditions were perfect. Like, I know I'm not going to educate them anymore. I'm not worried about other people bothering these deer where they're at. You know, just let them be deer. Let them do their thing and let them get comfortable. Let them get back to that pattern. And even after that dude, I struggled to find him. I'd get him here and there about once a week. And eventually I lost him. So this is where it gets really cool. This piece of public, I've never been able to get my kayak into in a certain spot ever but we got a torrential downpour two days in a row and it brought the water levels up to where i could get past this flat that like the water would normally be about like half an inch to an inch deep somewhere around in there like enough to where it looks like there's water but your huh. kayak I mean, you can't get it through there there's no way you can't walk it either okay if you wanted to walk through this deer you'd have to go through private and then some like it, it'd be a a crazy little ordeal to even get sure. back there so when i went in that morning i made it across the flat no problem stuck my oar down in the water i had shoot like a foot and a half of water before it even got to mud so i'm like i'm good i don't have to worry about it dropping out and getting me stuck back here until april probably when it rains <laughs> <laughs> so uh that morning was another kind of weird gear situation i took my lone wolf assault too which i sold now because i'm gonna get something else uh in one stick so i took one stick and then assault two and the area that i wanted to get to was a creek bottom that i had never i didn't have not one camera in that area i didn't have a camera within 300 yards of this area and that's actually what stuck out to me was i was just sitting here like i am on my laptop now with onyx pulled up and i'm just like glaring at it asking god like can you just tell me where to sit dude this would really help me a lot and that was an area that I'm like, I don't have a camera there. I haven't scouted that in years. It's like, and I haven't seen him. It's like, what if he's using that area? So I made it in there that morning. I was very careful on my access, not to let anything in that creek bottom see me. Uh, so when I got out of my kayak, 
I was only about 75 to 100 yards from the tree that I picked on a high rise watching the creek bottom. Um, I was six feet off the ground, which I know everybody, you know, it's a cool thing to do, you know. Um, but just that particular day. Now, I, you were you were six feet off the ground. I'm going to assume because they told you you couldn't be six feet off the ground. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. No. I was six feet off the ground because I didn't feel like one sticking that morning. And I just wanted to be high enough to uh, get above the cover of the creek. Sure. A little bit taller grasses. If you watch the video, man, it looks like Kansas down in there. It's, it's a pretty cool little area, but uh, I hung the stand. And as soon as it started to break daylight, I actually got down with my antlers and I love doing this, but you're taking a big risk. I mean, I break sticks. I go all out. Because when, when I've heard big deer fight in the past, I don't hear the antlers together. I don't hear them. They're not clacking, you know, like freaking Michael right. Waddell, you know, wherever. They're locking and rubbing, and you're hearing sticks break. You're hearing stuff pop, hearing leaves thrash. That's what you're hearing. Yep, you hear those so footsteps I, and everything, man. Pound on the ground. Zach Farrenball does it really well. Uh, yeah. I love watching him rattle. I agree. Um, but I, I pulled that little stunt, threw the antlers down, climbed up in the tree. And uh, at this point, it was good enough to see. And I never got my camera on the tree. So everybody gets another crappy video from me. No surprise. <laughs> uh, but I was actually facing the tree. And I heard a, a stick pop. And it just that old familiar sound like it. This is either a deer or a Boone and Crockett fox squirrel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there he stood, down in the creek bottom, standing right at the edge of the creek. And uh, I can't believe he didn't see me climb back up in that tree because I know he had to have been close and I'll actually get to where he was staying. So I let him do the stare down for a good three or four minutes. He made a move. I raised my gun. and um, How far, roughly? about 125 yards and I was okay. going to have to shoot him three-handed. Yeah. Kind of three-handed. I stuck my hand on the tree and yep. I put the rest of the gun and it was kind of awkward. I'm left-handed. Thank God in this situation that it worked out great for me because he crossed a little dip. I remember, actually, I don't remember. I'd be lying if I did. I go blank on shots, dude. I'm the worst. I don't, I like, I feel like I know what I'm doing in the moment, but like nothing ever saves on my hard sure. drive in my head like what did i do where did i put the crosshairs adrenaline <laughs> affects short-term yeah. memory i think yeah absolutely but i squeezed the trigger off i felt good about it the smoke cleared enough to where i saw him run and then i heard just a crash and i never seen anything else of him and i'm like i should have seen this deer run off if i missed him or if you know if he ran a good distance so i tried not to get too excited I reloaded my gun. Uh, actually, some people have commented that I put the cap or the primer in the gun before I shoved the barrel or the bullet back down. I'm sorry. I was half cracked out. That totally <laughs> broke a safety rule. Uh, yeah. But anyways, I got my stuff, got back to the kayak. And what's so neat about it was I was able to ride the kayak right to where I shot him. And as I was dragging the boat up on dry land i found blood i'm like 
dude. I That's hit him. Like, nice. Like I knew he was dead. And at this point, I didn't know what deer it was, but about a forty-yard blood trail, and there he lay, and I was just ex- I don't even know the word for it. I was pumped <laughs> uh, just to kill that deer where I killed him and um, just kind of putting the puzzle pieces together on like not really putting the puzzle pieces on where he was, but more of like where he was not. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just crossing spots off. Crossing off spots of where this buck is bedded, especially like later in the year. So I killed that deer on December 14th. Um. So it's the latest I've ever killed a buck um, of any caliber of that size. And, um, man, after I laid there with him or sat there with him, I didn't lay with him. That'd be kind of weird. Um, it just started to make so much more sense to me. And this creek bottom is full of cane thickets. And I thought, I wonder. So after I gutted him, got the process done, I kind of followed his footsteps back to where he was standing. And I looked back and you could see where he had went through the grass. I followed him into the middle of one of those cane thickets where his bed was. Wow. I don't know why I didn't video it. Um, Cause it was just kind of like, I'm going to check this right before I throw him on the kayak and Tim gets down here to help me. But he had had a, a bed in the middle of this cane thicket. And he listened to me rattle that morning. I'm almost positive. And when he stepped out, he wasn't but 30 yards from it. So it just makes perfect sense. He was either on his way back to that cane thicket and heard me or he was in it. Okay. So that's where that deer was living late season. So how far roughly do you think his bed was from where you sat in a tree? Uh, 150 yards. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, like he was only 25, 30 yards from the cane thicket when I shot him. So you slipped in on a dude. Oh, bud. Like like you've been fooling around with your best bud's old wife, had to sneak you out of there. Yeah. That's 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 <laughs> dude, I like have no filter. I'm just kidding. No, you're fine. <laughs> um wow. So you were in tight. Well, I'm you you try to tell people I swear you're not in the game. 90 plus percent of the time if you aren't within 150 200 yards of their bit you know what i mean like outside of the rut well well sure yeah Um, i mean i mean that's the bottom line if if you're not right there on top of like where they're sleeping or close to it i've heard multiple stories of guys they'll watch a big deer stand up through the woods at 100 yards or 200 what just whatever and the thing will not move he will not move until it's too dark for you to see yep and, and if he does, reason. he goes a couple of steps or whatever, especially, you know, your season even opens up later than ours uh, down there in Indiana. Um, you know, you're talking about acorns flying off the trees at that time, and they just bed under the damn white oaks, and they don't have to go anywhere. They might walk 20, 40 yards, whatever, to go get a drink somewhere, but they ain't got to go anywhere very very true it's a little different in kentucky when it opens up that first weekend oh so nice ish it's we found a pretty good wma to hunt and well we thought we did we ran cameras on it all year and i mean i never got a person on camera ever all summer and then we pull in and there's just there's trucks (laughs) everywhere and i'm like 
No. And then get this. So I had a buck at 28 yards on opening day. Pretty good bucket. He'd, he'd be Pope and Young, maybe a little higher. Nothing crazy, but on film opening evening, you're getting cut down, no problem, out of state. So yep. I couldn't get that deer shot, and I saw somebody post a deer from a Kentucky Kentucky WMA and this moron posts the city that he killed it in on run and gun. You know, there's like 80 plus thousand people on that page in that group. And he, he's like, Oh, had a great time here. Post the city and everything. I'm like, well, hope you enjoyed yourself. Cause you're going to run into some traffic next year. I guarantee you that, but yeah, shot the buck that I had in front of me. It was pretty crazy between him and that jack wagon that likes to post all that other crap. It ain't going to make it worth a dang eventually. Well, we just have to step into the future, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That guy, I got an issue. I want to discuss with you at some point, me and the Kentucky fish and wildlife, we're going to fight over it. Oh, and we'll talk. We'll talk. No, I'm not going to discuss it. Yeah. Now, okay. It, all right. But, once um, we once yeah. we hit the stop button. All right. So, Don't love me for being. Right. <laughs> Just wanted to take a second to tell you about all our other content. If you're on Facebook, head on over to the Field by the Outdoors Facebook page. We currently have over 18,000 members of people who love the outdoors, from the mobile hunter all the way to the hiking enthusiast. Come interact and talk all things outdoors with a robust community of people. Fan of product reviews, fishing, hunting videos? Go check out the Fueled by the Outdoors YouTube channel. If there's any topic or content you would like for us to cover, just send us a message. And if you like what you're seeing and hearing, then hit that join or subscribe button. We hope all our content fuels your passion for the outdoors. So, um, we talked about your bucks, but you know, two just amazing deer and both on public. So tell me a little bit about what got you into one sticking this year, because it's, it's a decision that I made and I put away for a little while and then I picked it back up, and now I just don't know why people use more than one stick. You know, I've seen – I started watching people do it two years ago, and I just never really – I think because in my head, like I'm a cheapskate, dude. Like I didn't want to spend the money on all the stuff to do it. Like I didn't want to have to buy that Mad Rock safety, whatever you call Safeguard. it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't even use one and I'm not going to. Um, and I think this year I was just, it was walking in early season with a platform and four sticks. And I'm just like, you know, this is supposed to be like light and it's supposed to feel light. You know what I mean? And I, it's just still just feels too heavy for me, mm-hmm. for my life. And like, it just bugs me. Yeah. And, and especially late season, dude, you, you're like, 
okay, now I've got to pack some layers and I'm packing filming equipment and an extra battery for my phone. And when I'm said and done, I'm looking at like 32 pounds. Yep. Like my, like mobile hunting my butt, you know? Right. And once I bought my one stick from trophy line and I've kind of converted it over to do everything you want to do with your cam cleat and whatnot. I mean, there was just no doubt in my mind. It's like, there's no reason for me to own any sticks anymore. Yep. Like, it's not hard. Everybody looks at it and they think it's the hardest thing in the world. Well, I'm 250 pounds and I can't, I can't do that. Dude, if you can stand up out of your bed, you can one stick. Yep. Period. I agree. And then, you know what really sells me on it? And I've gotten better. Although, I mean, since I killed my buck, I've slacked off and not hunted a lot. And when I did, I just do it on the ground because I was down in Kentucky with guns generally. But um, I feel like I can damn near match most people when they're setting multiple sticks, like going up the tree. So if I can come close to you, well, when we come back down, you're not beating me coming down with multiple sticks. No, no. Um, that, that's a, that's another reason that I really liked it was that when you, it makes you a minimalist, so I can pack all my gear, my ropes, my just everything you need to do it. And I'm not going to go into all the details. If you want to know that, there's plenty of other better sources out there to find out what you need to me. But I can fit all my stuff and then some in a running gun, night and hell turkey vest, and I go in the woods with six pounds. Six or seven seven pounds. I'm in the woods, not counting maybe some extra layers. And that's where it gets a little tough is then you got to have a, like a bag and stuff to put that in. Sure. Besides that point, like you said, you know, coming down fast, going up, I can go up just as fast as anybody with four sticks. And I mean, I'll race you. I don't care. Right. Um, And you have the ability to hunt 10 feet if you fleas. Uh, and you've got the ability to go to 35, 40 feet. I shot that Indiana deer at like 32 feet, yeah. I believe, to my, and, to my feet. And you're not um, wasting a stick or anything if you don't go, if you only go 11 feet, you don't have a stick or two that are just laying on the ground or sitting there and you carry, you know, six pounds or whatever, uh, five pounds extra stuff in, which a lot of people hear us talking about this weight so just to be clear it's not like we couldn't put an entire deer on our back and walk around with it that's not what this is about it's about being as quiet and stealthy going through the woods i mean yeah sometimes if you're hiking a ways sure you can get you know a little tired or whatever but when you're trying to fit stuff on a kayak which i can very much appreciate because i did i did the stand thing for a little while. And then when I put my pack in my kayak with just a one stick in there, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, this is nice. This fits yep. way better. So, um, you know, the other thing too, uh, that I think gets discounted, I think it's the safest way to come out of a tree, the repelling. I don't, Absolutely. I don't are, are you watching the game right now? Yes, I am. So am I. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know freaking who let the freaking yeah. I don't know who let these damn Cardinals in. Oh, well, I say that and they score a two point conversion. They're <laughs> they're going to need to do a lot of things though. So, yes, 
So you're using the trophy line wingman. Um, have you tried any, any other one stick setups or anything like that? Or has it pretty much just been that or. I have not. And here's why is because uh, I'm not, like I said, affiliated with anybody. Nobody sends me money. Um, I've just always had a really good relationship with Sean and trophy okay. line. So he does help me here and there with some stuff, you know, just oh, okay. shoots me in the mess. Hey, just make sure you kill big deer out of it or whatever. Sure. I, like, I will try. Mission um, accomplished times too. I just like their products and their background and uh, sure. I could be wrong. I don't know, but I mean, they've been in the saddle game longer than any of these other. And I believe they'll be around longer than in all of them as well. When the, so it's it's funny that you mentioned that today because as I you know I put I made that post on Saddle Hunter Nation and all that looking for different companies to message to invite to the expo I was looking I forget what led me to Trophy Line but I was looking oh I typed somebody in and Trophy Line popped up uh, they got like a sick Google game so. Um, trophy line pops up and it said like first in tree saddle hunting or something along those lines and i was like oh i wonder if that's the real thing so that's kind of cool to hear yeah i just i mean i've got a lot of stuff that's not american made uh but they are american made as far as i'm aware most of their stuff i just i don't know man i like them they got great customer service sure and i'm and and you know, Sean's not going to wring my neck for saying that there's a lot of other great options out there. You're there right. Is, and yeah. Competition is good, is a good thing. Absolutely, dude. And it's, you know, it's funny because this, this mobile thing reminds me a lot of taxidermy. I don't think you'll ever run out of work. Like there will always be deer to mount and turkeys to mount and everything, no matter how many taxidermists there are, no matter how many lightweight hang on and saddle hunters and all that dude there's gonna be plenty of room for any saddle company and stick company and whoever right so, on. um so you're you're coming to the expo this year yep we're pretty excited about that um we're gonna have you talk a little bit you know it's it's so cool i it's funny to follow you because I feel like we go through such similar things all <laughs> the freaking time, because as you're telling me uh, this story about this buck and like basically, you know, sporting wood over your access and how you've barely walked on the ground. I had the same thing this year, like my first sit, which was the second day I might, you probably seen, uh, I ended up passing a decent buck and I mean, you know, perfect footage and everything, but the coolest part of that for me was that I got out of my kayak and I think I walked 20 yards and literally there's just, there's nothing. And, and I was walking along through the water. So mm. like you, you're not smelling me. Like I basically ghosted the entire way to the tree. You know, you yep. can't pick up my ground scent at that point. Um, and when you can do stuff like that, it's just, oh, 
So cool. So I think, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I kind of want to have you just talk about, you know, public land water access and, um, you know, the benefits of that. And, uh, of course, a little bit on the self-filming game, because I know, man, I, I, know <laughs> I, the, I know the struggle all too well, dude. It's uh, I've it's said tough. it once. I'll, I'll say it again, man. Um, YouTube ain't nothing to me. Uh, I really enjoy filming my hunts just to have something to look back on. But if it's going to cost me a shot, I'm not fooling with that record button. I'm not yeah. doing it. Um, and there's just times where I get mad in a slump and I don't want to pack extra crap to film. I could care less. I just want to go kill or hunt. Sure. You know, that's just the way I am. And that's, I mean, I don't know if I'll always be that way, but uh, I've even, I've just downgraded over the years. You know, I started with a, a little handy cam like eight or nine years ago and I'd work my way up to something a little better, get a Canon G30. And then, you know, then I went to like a DSLR last year, a 6,000. And I'm like, no, no freaking way. This cell phone shoots plenty good video for what, 99% of what is on YouTube, period. I'm not Heartland Bow Hunter. I'm not Real Tree Productions. I do not need a 29-pound, $40,000 camera, and that treats right. me. Yep. And these guys, they, they kill me. They absolutely kill me. Like, what's a good starter camera for around $1,000? It's like, dude, you don't even know if you like filming hunts yet. The thing has got more buttons and gadgets than you have any idea of what to use. And you can't um, use any of those when you're trying to draw a damn bow or point your gun at a deer. Exactly. You're it, literally trying to point and to pray. About. Yep. I agree. There, I just like to hit record. I'll, I'll zoom out or whatever. And if it's on camera, I'm happy. Um, I can always crop it. It looks a little grainy. People will get over it. it it's fine. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Um, and this phone that I'm running now, the S21 Ultra, um, I would put it up against a lot of camcorders on quality, especially on a 20 times zoom. Yeah. Yeah. That thing, yeah. That thing is sick. I, I would love to see that phone compared to the iPhone 13 pro max in low light, just to see how they did in like similar, uh, lenses zooms whatever you call it um, i bet there i bet there is a video out there somewhere on that on youtube well if not Almost. maybe we maybe we can do that because no, some, somebody's gonna beat us to it the second they listen to this that's true well <laughs> great news me and rick are the only people that listen to this podcast and it's our own podcast so <laughs> no not um i've got the 13 now i'm actually going to set it up tonight uh i i tried that phone uh around on christmas day uh, my brother-in-law got one and i was super impressed with the low light capabilities and i feel like when you can just get a little better with the zoom and then improve that low light quality man you're i mean you have to have a really really good camera to beat that and yeah, and you're going to pay yeah. god i don't even want to think about what you're going to pay because like i watched one dude uh won't mention names but he's like one of those 
camera guys i'm better than everybody because of my camera and <laughs> i i looked at this footage and i messaged him i'm like dude is that was he filming with a gopro and because it's like zoomed way out and everything and he's like no that's a canon g50 and i'm like what he's like yeah you you can't zoom in really far uh in low light and i'm like hmm when do most people kill big deer oh in low light so your camera is a fucking paperweight congratulations this dude gave me shit all the time over this so um it's kind of kind of funny to to see but uh they got the deer congrats to them all that um I think it's going to be a fun time having you down, uh, playing around. I'm excited to hook up this year and turkey hunt. Um, I think you're going to come into Ohio and we're going to show you what a really turkey population looks like. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> it's it's pretty terrible, man. Um, they went to one bird this year. I don't, I don't know how much that's going to help. I don't know why you're going to go to one bird and not tell people to not shoot hens in the fall and stuff like that. I know that's tradition, but like if we're worried about a population, yeah, they should do an earn a gobbler. (laughs) You know, these states like Indiana is a one bird state and it's a great turkey hunting state. It's just so expensive. Yeah. Like you've got to really love chasing these birds to spend that kind of money on one bird. You know what I mean? Yep. So, but I'm going to kill myself for saying this. Um, You can tell a difference in going to Kentucky where there's a two bird limit and Kentucky fish and wildlife literally never cares. They will never change anything. They're worthless in my eyes. And I I hope the commissioner's listening. Fight me. Um, (laughs) You can go to Indiana and hear so many more birds from Ridgetop than you can in Kentucky because it's a one bird limit and it's expensive. Now, Kentucky, you might be in the right places here and there. Um, I know it's a little bit better in eastern Kentucky where the hunting public went this year. I'm sure that the residents over there are going to love them uh, <clears throat> after this past spring. So, um, But, man, I, I don't know. I, I do feel like cutting a limit does help, and it goes back to, like, raising the tag prices. Is it because it scares more people yeah. off? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like Kansas went to a one bird limit unless you want to drive super far out west where you got to go get your second bird. You know, I don't see anybody out there um, early season uh, that you normally used to when there was a two bird limit. You know what I mean? People just don't want to fool with driving that far to kill one turkey, you know, but I don't know, man. I really don't know what to say, but I'm with you 100% on the shooting, you know hens and whatnot i think it's it's silly um shoot a gobbler their breasts are twice the size right um i know they're tougher to kill but i know the you know the fall method is to bust them up and assembly yelp you know lost jake kiki whatever but we used to do the far out of it man when back in oh three and oh four when you know i was still fresh into it fall turkey was one of the funnest things i did all year and I used to bust them up with a four-wheeler, just take off that middle of a cornfield and scare the hell out of them. And 
park the four wheeler and sit down and, and yelp one up. It was it was almost easy. It was fun. It gave us something to pass the time waiting on spring. Sure. But those days have come and gone for me and to the point where I just like I don't have any intentions on shooting one. Like I don't want to shoot a hen. I don't care if the thing's got a 15 inch beard. I could care less. If a smoke phase hen walked by with a three inch beard, I would have a hard time passing it, but I probably would, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no intentions on shooting jakes um, unless it, you know, you just got to be careful. A lot of the turkeys out west, they gobble just like a man, talk like a man, act like a man. They come really? in. Really? Oh, yeah. Like you go hunt Nebraska, you go hunt Kansas. You're, you probably, you might be chasing a Jake all morning, wondering why he's acting quirky and won't commit. It's because he's got about a half inch beard and he gobbles. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Well, you answered my question. I was going to ask if you would shoot a bearded hen. So that's good to hear. You, I mean, I just feel like the people who really, really love chasing turkeys. Yeah. are pretty much all going to answer the same way. And before, you know, there were a few years where I had, uh, you know, the possibility or whatever, and I thought hard on it and thought hard on it. And I'm like, man, but what if she has, you know, eight babies, 10 babies, 15 babies, you know, that's yep. a lot. And I know people are like, oh, they don't have, you know, they're jacked up or whatever. I filmed a bearded hen this fall with i think she had nine or ten babies with her nine or ten poults and this is this is on our family farm where it's rare that i ever see turkeys and here they come under me and i'm just like overjoyed that i'm watching turkeys while i'm deer yeah. hunting it was amazing so I did, uh, yeah. i've noticed i've noticed myself and i've talked to the our president, local chapter here in the NWTF, closer to home, that it has been a really, really good hatch this year. Awesome. So, you know, no thanks to the Fish and Wildlife for doing nothing once again all year long. Um, just hope it fixes itself on its own as nature always does. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing Without, a lot of uh, – go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, nature can only fix itself on its own if the humans are there to – you know, right. do their part. Right. You know, you can't you can't let the buffalo bounce back when your gun and every one of them down off a train heading towards the wild, right. wild west. You know yep. what I mean? Yes, sir. So I've noticed a lot of prices going up, but I see a lot of WMAs that seem to be like not quite unkept, but slightly unkept. Um mm -hmm. They just, I don't know. The first year I hunted Kentucky, I was super impressed. And um, from what I've seen since then, not as impressed, but I think it's, it's still better than Ohio to an extent. Um, like here, one thing you'll see, have you hunted Ohio? Never hunted Ohio. Oh, dude. All right. So reason number one, Jacob Emery is going to bitch about Ohio is there is access every 12 feet like there's a parking lot there's a trail they're they're everywhere that's, that's one thing awful. i like about oh it's terrible so you really like you can't get away from people for the most part 
Um, even if there's a big lake or, you know, whatever people can get to, you, no problem. Um, you know, I, I went hunting somewhere, uh, on public here the first year I got into public land stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to hike my ass off back in here. And I went like two miles, two mile walk, maybe two and a half. I mean, I walked my ass off with a climber on my back. Um, yeah, not, not the sweet ass setup that I'm rocking now. Um, so I'm sitting up in a tree and a deer rolls through and I'm like super happy. And then here come the horse people. I'm like, what in the head? And I'm looking and I'm right next to a damn bridal trail and I can't get away from it no matter where I go. And then some damn mountain bikers come by and I'm like, what in the living hell but it's just it's terrible man uh there's there's some pretty good spots where you can kind of get away from roads and stuff but it's just so tough to get away here like anywhere across southern ohio you draw a line across the middle of the state and come down like i still haven't been to a place where i could go more than maybe a mile mile and a quarter away which a mile you know a mile's not it's just not far to me um it's not re- you're not you can get away and 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 I don't want people to think like oh you got to hike your ass off to get away from people to kill deer or turkeys or whatever that's not the case but sometimes when you just don't want somebody to walk in on you at nine o'clock in the morning or you know whatever it's nice to get away from people but it's uber tough to do that here Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's not a lot different over towards where I'm at, but there's a few places, man. It's very obvious. The less access, the better deer hunting. Absolutely. 100%. So I guess we'll go ahead and, uh, just kind of wrap this thing up here and, uh, hope this dude for the Cardinals is like, okay. I didn't see what happened, but he got trucked. Did he? Oh yeah. Like he was in just a bad position. And uh, when he got hit, dude, you could tell by the way he went stiff, like something wasn't right. Uh, probably messed up. That sucks. Well, hopefully he'll be all right. Well, any uh, closing final thoughts? Any concluders? No, man. I'm just excited to start chasing the redheads and uh, <laughs> see what this year has to offer. Uh, obviously excited for the expo. I love meeting guys that I've talked to online. I think social media sucks for the most part, but uh, it has connected me with a lot of really great people. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, that's for me, same. I'm super excited about the expo, excited to, to meet you here and probably the next, mm, I mean, we'll probably want to go scout sometime early April if you're around and not hunting all over the damn United States. Um, i've already got one tag bought where yeah where are you going this year oh lord make sure my old lady ain't listening downstairs (laughs) um (laughs) man i don't know i'm flirting with the idea of florida there you go flirting with it very hard um come across a guy tonight that was almost interested in trading for some coon hunting property for a farm yeah listen listen oh my god He's a big time coon hunter and his dad apparently just purchased a retirement farm down there. And it's like, 
20 minutes from the airport I would normally use to go oh. to a condo that my family has like ties with. And I'm like, oh man. So if that's the case, I would love to get my first Osceola. Um, I'm obviously going to be hunting Kentucky, Indiana, and Tennessee. Uh, love Tennessee. Uh, killed, I killed uh, two or three birds down there this past spring. It's awesome. Awesome hunting down there uh, over at my buddy's place. I bought my Maryland all-game annual uh, tags uh, during deer season, and I did not realize this, but their um, their season starts like in the fall and runs into the following fall. So if you buy your annual for Maryland deer hunt, it, you're covered for turkeys as well. That's awesome. And uh, while I've got this on my head, Maryland turkeys are the hardest turkeys I've ever hunted on public really i've been i've been to alabama i've been out west been here there them birds up there are oh my gosh they're hard to hunt <laughs> they're what, very hard to hunt. what makes them tougher are they are they just not receptive to calls or they shut up a lot or i think a lot of it was when i was there the first time it was late in the year um they don't like calls um <laughs> that's right they they they, they, they just don't want to come in wide open to a call they'd rather just sneak in they you know like everybody else and i'm the same way you get to yelping at a bird and he's not he gobbles once or twice and you start getting complacent you start moving start fidgeting you never see that bird well that sucker's done walked in to 80 yards and stood there for 10 minutes with his head just still as a stone and he's watched okay. you away. you know you just wow. gotta be on your keys and cues with them birds uh, but right now uh, uh you know so technically, I'm just thinking about Florida. Alabama screwed non-residents this year, so I won't be going back there. Uh, Georgia pretty well did the same thing. I thought about that. Won't be going there. So Florida. What what they do? Is, uh, so you can only kill one turkey in the first 10 days of season, and I'm not driving six hours south to kill one turkey and turn uh, back around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you can't use decoys the first 10 days, which I don't really care about that. I've never put out decoys on – uh, wood birds but so florida tennessee kentucky indiana ohio at some point uh and possibly maryland I'm, i'll probably go back up there and visit my family and do a little hunting there but oh and then of course kansas gotta go to kansas dude how are you gonna find time to hit all those states so i get seven days off a month Oh, excuse me. I get seven days off in a row in a month. I only work 14 or 15 days a month because I work swing shift. Okay. So when I'm working, I'm working 12 hours, seven to seven, either nights or days. Uh, I get a bunch of three day and four day breaks in between and one seven day stretch in a row. So. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Except for the place I work sucks and I can't wait to quit. Hey. Keep pumping that DO3 outdoors, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, raking in the dough, let me tell you. <laughs> I've made $5.62, Jacob. I can almost buy a Big Mac. Um, all righty, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. This has been uh, Fueled by the Outdoors. And I've been your host, Chris Leppert. And tonight we were joined by jacob emery with do3 outdoors check them out on youtube you'll love it 
Thanks, guys. See ya.